You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 120th program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for more than 23 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're revisiting the cracks in our health and in the other systems that COVID, the COVID pandemic has revealed, and how that pandemic has latterly revealed the need for grassroots, community-led involvement, in health promotion. Mm. As we race towards the 80% of us being double vaccinated against COVID, so we don't get seriously ill or pass it on to others, and so that we can restart our lives and open up the economy again, it is really quite easy to get enthusiastic. Yeah, but of course, we don't really mean 80% of everyone being double vax, do we, Jacques? We mean 80% of people 16 and over. So there's a slight, a bit, little bit of a sleight of hand there. So without mm-hmm. the spin, we're really talking about a more modest 64% of the population being double vaxxed. Mm. Yeah, and we probably should remember that. But at the same time, we really cannot be blamed for getting a bit enthusiastic, can we? Mm-hmm. It has been a bit of an ordeal fa- faced with the bitter choice of either let the virus rip and see thousands die, paying for an opened-up economy, or agree with lockdowns and limit as best as possible the spread and the mortality numbers, and see the economy getting wobbly, or even more wobbly than it already was. But just to dampen the enthusiasm a bit, it is also public knowledge, or it ought to be, that Mm. some disadvantaged and marginalised groups are far from being fully or even moderately vaccinated. Well, yes, uh, people with disabilities come to mind. They're one of the groups that have been overlooked really quite disgracefully in our vaccination programmes. And the Royal Commission into Disability said the vaccination levels are a sign that the government strategy with this group was an abject failure. And which was later modified to seriously deficient. Mm. Yeah, and Aboriginal communities everywhere, except in Victoria, are not even reaching half the level of vaccination of the general population. Yeah, and newer migrants, especially in lower income areas, have been severely under-vaccinated and they're the ones often working in service jobs that require them to travel and, and, and also they're often living in overcrowded houses. We know from bitter experience that if we drop our defences and precautions against spreading the the virus too soon, too soon, too soon, that COVID will rip through these communities. Many people will die and partial lockdowns will remain necessary. Yeah, which would be unconscionable 
as we've known for quite some time now that these communities and groups are vulnerable. We've been talking about it since early during the pandemic last year, after all. Mm-hmm. And we've known and we've been talking about our knowledge that special efforts need to be made to protect their health. Yeah, more recently we have been hearing heartening stories of how Aboriginal communities and newer culture and new cultural groups are being engaged with on their own ground, in their own ways, within existing relationships and by engaging community leaders. Mm-hmm. After the disastrous lockdown of the nine public housing towers in Melbourne's West last year, mm-hmm. some learning has happened as the more recent Shepparton experience with the Delta variant of the virus has shown and also the involvement of ethnic community leaders in Melbourne's north and west to curb the runaway infection levels has been another recent positive example. Yeah, so there have been really some more inspiring stories mm-hmm. and um, and we look at them with a bit of relief, I think. But these, this has unfortunately been overshadowed by deliberate rule-breaking of demonstrators and illegal footy finals gatherings two Saturdays ago, leading to some new outbreaks. Mm. Yeah, on the surface, finally turning to the community and community leaders to help drive and lead preventative and protective measures against the pandemic is a heartening development. But it is also very frustrating and annoying Mm -hmm. because the knowledge and wisdom and experience of working from the bottom up in the health sector, that has been with us for a long time. One has to wonder why we weren't doing this from the start of the pandemic, given that there's quite a history to the community health approach. Yeah, and I guess the even bigger question is, why have we cut our community health system to the bone? A system that was quite well established and functioning well until the early 90s. And that's what we're reaping the consequences of, really. I agree. Why did we, at the same time, redirect resources away from community health, health promotion and the preventative health approaches towards the clinical, medical and curative model of health ever since the Kennett government appeared on the stage in Victoria in the early 90s. Yeah, which I call the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff approach. That's the strict medical clinical approach. Mm -hmm. And of course, we do need ambulances at the bottom of the cliff. The point is that we shouldn't put all of our resources into this. We really need some sustainable prevention at the top. So people, of course, aren't falling off the cliff in the first place and have healthy and productive lives. That's right. We talked about this around the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020. We had a program retitled The Coronavirus and the Fault Lines in Our Health and Other Systems. And that's on a, that's in podcast available still. And yeah. it only has become worse since then. Yeah. And I guess just to retrace the story of the community-oriented approach to health a little bit, I, I think it's worth doing. During the last decades of last century starting in the 1970s, the World Health Organization convened several groundbreaking world conferences looking at health promotion. Of course, in English, promotion sounds a bit like marketing, but it's really like health creation or health generation. So um, the WHO defines health as, quote, a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity, unquote. 
And so in that context, health promotion means, quote, the process of enabling people to increase control over their health and to improve their health, unquote. So it's about empowering people and looking at what enables and prevents, enables them and prevents their living a healthy life. Yeah, both enabling and preventing <clears throat> in the systems and communities that they live in. So it's a whole system, whole person approach to health. Uh, health happens in the communities where people live and work and the community is where health needs to be created, <clears throat> excuse me, promoted and protected. So in this framing, health and ill health also happen in systems and environments. And health and ill health are impacted by economic and political factors, especially by inequities in access and opportunity. So to let that sink in, let's go to some music by Nick Charles, Mexican Waters.
listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about a different way of responding to public and personal health, an approach that was very common during the last three decades of last century, but which has been disappeared thanks to neoliberalism. The Alma Ata Conference, convened by the World Health Organization in 1973, was the initial tone setter for a place based and community involved understanding of health and of how to achieve and maintain healthy communities. It was also the starting point of worldwide thinking about health as a social and collective right and not just an individual right as we have discussed the difference in several of our human rights programs. That first World Health Organization conference was followed by the Ottawa conference and the release of the famous and groundbreaking Ottawa Charter in 1986. And most recently came the Jakarta Declaration in 1997, which was pivotal in developing the ways in which health is conceptualized thought about and the actions deemed necessary to promote and sustain it. Go back to the Ottawa one, 1986. The the five Ottawa Charter strategies to promote, create and generate health in communities included, there's five of them, developing personal awareness and skills, reorienting systems towards health promotion and illness prevention. Mm -hmm. The third one, Community development through relationship and awareness building. Fourth, creating supportive and healthy environments. And finally, developing healthy public policy. The Ottawa Charter of 1986 thus rested on the understanding that healthy communities exist and develop in the mutually supportive relationship between the ecology, the economy and health. It urged political bodies to start developing, as I said before, healthy policies with an underlying understanding of these relationships. The relationships in that was often presented as a triangle, ecology, Mm -hmm. economy, and on top of the triangle, health. So ecologically sustainable economic policies expressed the link between the ecology and the economy. Healthy environments for people they expressed the relationship between health and ecology and access and equity in health uh, points at the relationship between health and the economy, particularly to the economic inequities, as we have been saying before. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's all a bit of a mouthful, Jacques, but I guess put another way, uh, the 1986 Ottawa Charter highlighted the importance of the links between ecology and the economy for a sustainable economy. So ecology is important. So that refers to the links between the ecology of the natural world, of course, with the economy. Similarly, we need to look at the links between health and ecology for creating healthy environments. Also, we need to look at links between health and the economy in addressing access and equity in health. And, and this all needs to be integrated into government policy. So I, it's rather sophisticated on one level when compared with our usual way of compartmentalising everything we're doing these days, but it's 
also very common sense too when we think of all the examples of how economy, health and the natural world are connected and affect people's health in different ways. So I think everyone could think about ways that the natural environment and their own health is related, either in a good or a bad way, for example, or, or economy, even the very low Centrelink payments or lack of access to proper dental care. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so when, but if you can think of examples between them, there's also a very common sense level that's embedded in the way people live their lives. Mm. And it is important to revisit the statements that emerged in the World Health Organization conferences during that time, if only to remember what we have lost during the three to four decades of neoliberalism. Mm-hmm. In the later Jakarta Declaration 97, Priorities for health promotion included the first one, promote social responsibility for health. Decision makers, and it's a quote basically, decision makers must be firmly committed to social responsibility. Both the public and private sectors should promote health by pursuing policies and practices that, and yet comes a list of five, mm-hmm. avoid harming the health of other individuals. Oh, and how relevant Second, is that, Shark? Sorry. How, oh how goodness, relevant is that with that. COVID at the moment? Absolutely, and demonstrating and all of that. <laughs> Protect the environment and ensure sustainable uses of resources. Thirdly, restrict production and trade in inherently harmful goods and substances, such as tobacco and armaments. How um, relevant is that in the time of uh, of uh, nuclear, nuclear submarines? submarines eh? Yes, as well as also unhealthy marketing practices. The fourth point: safeguard both the citizen in the marketplace and the individual in the workplace, and include finally equity-focused health impact assessments as an integral part of policy development. That means check whether you actually are reaching the kinds of situations and improvements you want to reach. Mm. And uh, I suppose to continue, number two of the WHO Jakarta Declaration of 1997 is increase investments for health development. So (laughs) I don't think we could really argue with that. Uh, And again, from the declaration, in many countries, current investment in health is inadequate and often ineffective. Increasing investment for health development requires a truly multi-sectorial approach, including additional resources to education and housing, as well as the health sector. Greater investment for health and reorientation of existing investments, both within and between countries, have the potential to significantly advance human development, health and quality of life. And still quoting from the Jakarta Declaration, investments in health should reflect the needs of certain groups such as women, children, older people and Indigenous, poor and marginalised populations, which of course, Jacques, includes groups left out of our current vaccine rollout as we've already been talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we should not do as if we never heard these things. They Mm -hmm. were quite literally mentioned in many declarations. The fourth one of the World Health Organization Jakarta Declaration, and again, it repeats what we said before, increase community capacity and empower the individual. Mm -hmm. 
health promotion is carried out by and with people, not on or to people. Mm -hmm. It improves both the ability of individuals to take action and the capacity of groups, organizations or communities to influence the determinants of health. Mm. Empowering individuals demands more consistent, reliable access to the decision-making process and the skills and knowledge essential for to effect change. Mm. How much of that language have we actually lost mm. when you look at the language which we use now to talk about, you know, even in the pandemic kind of literature and mm. uh, and announcements. Yeah, and when occasionally we do include these principles mm -hmm. of empowerment and self-determination, everyone acts as if we've just made it up. Like That's right. <laughs> ah, terrible. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today, we're just discussing our very basic failure of working productively with local communities especially communities are disadvantaged in our approach to deal with the pandemic. And that failure is equally present in our general ways of dealing with ill health and not just the pandemic. Obviously, community development is central to this approach to health promotion and the prevention of ill health. There used to be a vibrant community development in health network operating in Victoria and nationally. It was based at the Lincoln Institute that was later taken over by La Trobe University. Mm -hmm. Conferences were organized to which international speakers were invited to share experiences of, for example, healthy cities programs from across the world. Mm -hmm. The primary health care sector was broadly supported to carry community development in health approaches and numerous local community health centers that were supported by municipal health plans, which set benchmarks to be evaluated regularly. Okay. Borderlands have been involved in a whole variety of uh, you know, projects in assisting local councils and community health centres in all of this work, yeah. so we know what we're talking about. Yeah, and unfortunately, as you say, Jacques, this sector's been really denigrated and decimated in the state of Victoria, and it's not just here either. No, as we mentioned, the neoliberally inspired Kennett government in the 1990s, from 92 actually, radically shifted gear back to a system and an ideology dominated by the medical model. It seems that latterly we are sort of like becoming aware that a community-owned approach is essential to creating healthy life circumstances for people especially, but not just in the context of COVID, but effective prevention can't be done on the run or by definition or by basically saying the outcomes which need to be reached uh, as nowadays the language goes. Yeah. And really, how many inquiries and reports have come out that have told us, for example, Aboriginal communities require self-determination to address their health issues? Uh, and we know, so we know that. And haven't we seen in Victoria and elsewhere the results from lack of engagement of different cultural groups and how things almost immediately perked up as soon as a mistake was recognised of the top-down command and control approaches and belatedly um, when community leaders were consulted and got involved, immediately the situation was set aright. And, and mm -hmm. as you mentioned before, Jacques, the saga with the Flemington public housing towers is a good example. First being 
um, circled by police and only, you know, much later um, community leaders being engaged and involved to mm-hmm. support the people mm-hmm. in those towers. That's right. And all of that whilst we seem prepared to invade strange and faraway countries thinking we can bring about change through military force or by installing a new CEO or a political leader whose task immediately seemed to be to restructure the institution or the organisation they govern rather than being prepared to start listening and refer to knowledge from cultural and social theory and listen to those who live their daily lives in their local places as a participatory and democratic community development approach would Mm, suggest. Yeah, and back to Australia. Who does the federal government appoint to oversee the COVID vaccine distribution in Australia once uh, once political and strategic stuff-ups create problems for politicians so who, so who did the feds appoint they appointed a military man <laughs> so while logistics expertise should be of course called on given the urgent circumstances it seems to say everything and not just symbolically that an older white man in military uniform was appointed for this role Hmm. Yeah, and it's always very visible when <laughs> briefings are happening on television. Commander in control, yeah. Yeah. Well, perhaps a lesson we can learn from COVID is that we need to reinstate and properly resource a grassroots, community-connecting and empowering public health approach. And we need to look at and address health and ill health as existing environments and whole systems that include housing, economic status, education, income, just a new to name a new a few factors here. Yeah. And, and for the shorter term, we need to bring up COVID vaccination rates in the groups and communities we have marginalised and left behind as a matter of urgency with those communities, working with them and um, <laughs> engaging leaders to work with their, in their own communities. And uh, we we really need to up the vaccinations in Aboriginal communities, in particular newer migrant communities and people with disabilities before we open up because the virus will rip through those groups if we don't. It certainly will. There's more to this than the use of numerical spin and percentage points of vaccinations trying to assure a fearful populace. It's an issue of social justice and equality. Unfortunately, our personal and collective egoisms seem to prevent this understanding to be even openly discussed. Mm, uh, are you referring to our politicians, Shark? Yeah, politicians, but also what we sort of allowed to let them do, to mm. just think about ourselves. Mm. Uh, you know, we've talked about uh, several programs, really, about the way in which the third, uh, what we still refer to as the third world, how they are systematically kept behind, mm. how we even use vaccine, vaccine quantities which were dedicated to the third world. We mm. buy them off again because of the fact that we have some political problems here. Mm. They're just just unbelievable, I think. Mm. So it's probably time to move to our community announcements, I see. (laughs) Yeah. We uh, just yesterday sent out our first Borderlands newsletter in seven or eight months now. It's just starting to wake up that we probably indeed will be unlocked and unlocked down, whatever you call it. Uh, we have in those eight, nine months 
done quite a bit of stuff in spite of the lockdown. We have uh, produced several, uh, several journal issues for the new community. We have had this program, obviously, weekly, and we haven't missed one. Uh, we uh, also had students on placement. And we will now start to really look forward to. We also had projects, by the way, uh, yeah, research we projects might, and we might, with yeah. municipalities. We probably need and, to wrap it up quickly, Shark, because we yeah, only. And we do. We will continue to look for grants and all of that. And soon we will be inviting you to visit us. Right. So thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio. If you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands on borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available on podcast and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. And our thanks again to Clive Bourne for recording and for the music. Meanwhile, stay tuned for Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates and their families and friends. To bring us into Jailbreak, we have Cannot Buy My Soul by Archie Roach. For 200 years we've been beaten down, too long on the door. My dignity I'm losing here, mentally I'm on. There's a system here that nails us. And we're left out in the cold Oh, they took our life and liberty friends But they could not buy our soul Joe Hill died, Jacob Vara Ford Pamela Wiley lay down dead If a person speaks out critically here They could get loaded down with lead how long can the majority wait for their story to unfold? Oh, they took their life and liberty friends, but they could not buy their souls.